Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Welcome to Women in Music with me, Millie Cotton. For our first episode, I sat down with Anna Pryor, who's the drummer for Metronomy and also a really great DJ. I don't know about you, but I'm a really big Metronomy fan, so I hope that you get as much out of this episode as I did recording it. If you do enjoy this episode, please do rate and review and subscribe on iTunes, and also maybe share it with your friends so we can get more people listening. I love the, like, metronome, metronomy. Hey. Hi, Anna. How are you doing? Hello, I'm fine. Yeah, Thank good. You. Um, I thought we would start with some fun, quick-fire questions. Let's do it. Okay, so, what was the last thing that you listened to? Um, well, I'm doing my Soho radio show when I leave here, so I was listening to some music for that. But it's... Um, actually, no, I got sent... Um, the remixes for some metronomy song, the Moscow Man version of salted caramel ice cream. Nice. It's pretty vibey. When does it come out? Well, I think it's out. I oh, think. the remix? Well, the single's out. Yeah. No, I, I definitely need that. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, no, the remix sounds fun. So what was your favourite dance move? Um, square dance. <laughs> <laughs> your craziest fan story? Um... Oh, I don't know if I have anything that's happened face-to-face. But now because of Instagram, I do get some quite strange messages. Because oh, I try no. to read the messages yeah. and sort of respond and you know, say thank you or you know, whatever. But I, 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 re- I responded to a guy and then he started set telling me about this fantasy he had about myself and another female drummer called Sarah Jones who plays in Hot Chip and uh, Harry Styles' band. And I was like, oh, mate. <laughs> Chill. <laughs> that was a bit awkward, so I was, I'm debating whether to block him. Or, anyway. Oh, no, that moves nicely onto my next question, though. <laughs> Twitter or Instagram? Oh, Instagram. Okay. <laughs> Your first ever paid gig? Uh, when I was 14, I played drums in a covers band. I'm from Yorkshire, so like it was all around sort of the north of England, and we'd play in working men's clubs. Yeah. I was getting paid £50 a night, and I was like 14, 15 years old, and I was earning 150 quid a weekend. That's pretty like, good, isn't it? It was, it was like, like do, very decent. Yeah, my first ever job didn't last very long, but it was fun, and it sort of enabled me to have live experience yeah. at such a young age. Yeah. What was the first gig you ever went to? <laughs> Take that at Sheffield Arena. <laughs> Amazing. In 95, it was brilliant. Um, what are you reading at the moment? I'm reading um, David Sedaris' book called Let's Talk About Owls with Diabetes. No, that's not the exact title, but it's something about owls and diabetes. Okay, sounds quite niche. Yeah, it's very niche. (laughs) A song that reminds you of childhood? Um, um, Anything by Peter Gabriel or um, Seal. Solitary Brother, that one. Oh, yeah, Yeah. nice. Um... The last person you text? Um, my boyfriend. <laughs> Your most used profanity? Probably fuck. <laughs> Your favourite song to play? 
I guess, play in metronomy rather than play out as a DJ? Um, the look. We, play, we usually play it last just before the encore, if we're doing an encore. Um, and we've sort of changed it up a little bit, added like a head drop. go back a little bit. So how did you first get into drumming? How were you introduced to it? How old were you? I was 14 um, and I'd had years of like trying to, I wanted to be a musician and I wanted to play music but nothing was coming organically. I had piano lessons and yeah it made sense, like music makes sense to me on a keyboard but I just couldn't read the music. It just wasn't really gelling with me so I just kind of quitting and my dad was like oh come on please play something and then I discovered the drums for myself and um, it was a this exotic girl that had moved to my school and I'm like I said I'm from the north of England and there aren't many different types of people it's all just kind of white British people yeah and she was French and she was so exotic and she would always disappear at dinner time at lunchtime and go and play drums so I asked if I could go with her and she taught me like if little beat and then I went and asked my dad if I could have drum lessons he was like yeah all right <laughs> if you want and it was one of those things I was quite lucky it came quite naturally and I didn't have to work that hard to get to a good um level yeah well, if you started when you were 14 and you were playing your yeah. first gig when you were 14 yeah. that happened really quickly yeah. and fluidly I guess yeah I was quite lucky yeah so you started playing drums you had your first gig you did the covers band yeah and then did you, where did you go after that? So did you continue with school or did you put all your eggs into one basket essentially and then kind of like, like, no, this is what I want to do. I'm not going to do school anymore. I'm going to go and, you know, go and be in a band. Essentially, essentially that, what you just said. Yeah. Put all my eggs into one basket. I, I mean, I, I finished school. I think I did like an AS level. I just did really bad. I just kind of lost interest. Um, and I tried to do a, went to art college, did a year of fine art and I hated it. I just think I'd just kind of given up of, given up with education at this point. And then just tried to make the drumming work and was just in just crappy bands, like doing original stuff, not really making much money and working at Topshop <laughs> on the side. <laughs> Topshop was my, top I say Topshop was my dream job when I was like That's 16. Great. If I could have had Topshop discount, honestly. Yeah. Yeah, Not that I had any money to spend yeah. in a drop shop, but it would have been definitely better than working at M&S, which is where I worked as a teenager, yeah. so not quite as trendy. <laughs> when it comes to metronomy, I read that you were in a band called Lightspeed Champion. Yes. And that you warmed up metronomy <laughs> at the Amersham Arms. Yeah. Which I'm like, what? Isn't that crazy? It's so mad. It's like some weird inception thing. Yeah, it, um... Yeah, Metronomy were headlining, and I, I really remember, I hadn't really heard of Metronomy before. Um, and they this was when they had, like, the push lights on the chests. And I remember Oscar hadn't brought his special T-shirt with the Velcro on, so they were, like, using, like, black electrical tape to just, like, gaffer, you know, tape the light to his chest in the dressing room. Yeah, it was pretty fun. But who, I had no idea that I would end up in that band. So it didn't, it wasn't off the back of warming up for them that you then met them and then ended up in Metronomy? Maybe. I don't remember, I don't recall making, like, obviously I was civil and we had a nice chat yeah. and a fun night, but I don't recall, like, ever making friends with them after afterwards. It was only when Lightspeed Champion sort of dissolved and Dev, who is now Blood Orange, moved to New York. And I was like, oh no, I need to get a job. So I was working at the Science Museum. It was so grim. <laughs> I 
I'd gone from like touring the world to like working back at working at the science museum, and then Joe texted me while I was with my shopping on the bus on the on the number eight bus going to Bethnal Green, and he said, "Do you want to join Metronomy?" And I was like, "Yeah, all right." <laughs> so how how many years ago was this? I was actually trying to find this out, and I couldn't find it anywhere. I couldn't oh. like find an actual date of when you started. I joined Metronomy in March two thousand and nine. Okay, so it's been ten years. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I did a year of touring in 2008 with Lightspeed Champion and then I had a few months off and then joined Metronomy. For anyone who's not heard Metronomy, how would you describe the sound? Um, we, I always describe it as it's a bit kind of Talking Heads-esque, if you've heard of Talking Heads, they're, you know, very like... Um, rhythmical but not necessarily just with the drums like it's all the rhythm comes from like the arpeggios from synthesizers and um interesting vocal patterns and yeah we're we're not a guitar band yeah although i wish although i know joe wants to kind of be nirvana now he's written some <laughs> songs that are very chuggy on the guitar which are quite fun to play live um yeah so we're a synth based band cool yeah with live drums also, if you haven't heard any metronomy and you're listening to this, like definitely, obviously, go and check it out. Yeah, <laughs> that would be yeah, a good place <laughs> to start. Um, so there was no plan B, essentially. Then I guess like you always wanted to do this, and you just went straight into it. Do you ever look back and wish you'd done anything differently? I don't think there is. Like I genuinely feel this might sound cheesy. I genuinely feel like I'm living the life I'm supposed to be living. I don't sort of feel. Like I've missed out on something or, I mean, maybe I'd like to have a degree in something, but that's something I can always do in the future if I want oh, to go yeah. and like go back to, go back and study for something that I'm really, really interested in. But yeah, I have no regrets. <laughs> so I think we should talk about the new album, mm -hmm. definitely. So Metronomy Forever. So it's out on the, it'll be out actually when this comes out. So it'll be out on the 13th of September, you said? Yes. Yeah. So what is the creative process of a band writing an album together? Well, for Metronomy, it's kind of... It's not the traditional band setup that you'd expect. It's more uh, Joe... Joe, our singer, is Metronomy. He is Mr. Metronomy, and he writes all the music. Okay. So it's very much kind of controlled in that way. Um, and then when he comes to record, it's a, he usually decides if he wants... You know, he'll call me up and say, Anna, can you come and do some vocals on something? Or... Can you play this drum beat? Because he's also a drummer, he's also a bass player, so, you know, he plays everything. So yeah. he does everything on the record, which I think kind of gives it this this nice trajectory that it's got because then we're not fighting over things and we're not we don't have creative differences, you know, and we all respect him and respect the music that he makes, so it sort of works. It's not necessarily a hierarchical situation, which I think people might think it could be that way, but no, we all believe in the band and we just come together when when we're going to do live stuff. We just like okay. practice for a month in the, in the rehearsal studios and then go out and do shows. Oh, amazing. Yeah, so do you do that practicing before you, rec you record? So you don't record that? No. Oh. Yeah. Oh, wow. Okay. I so get we, it. Are, we are a band yeah. and we are, we are business partners. Yeah. Um, it's just that Joe is... Joe is Metronomy, okay. if that makes sense. He's Metronomy Limited, and then the other four of us, we are our own business underneath the Metronomy 
umbrella. Yeah. Um, That's so interesting. Yeah, yeah. You would never think that. So I really imagined that you sort of all sat together and wrote music together. Learn something new every day. Yeah. I don't know if this question is, if it makes sense to ask you this now because you didn't write it, but I guess mm. you're still playing it. But how do yeah. you feel that this album is different to the last albums? It's more, I guess, more poppy. Even though I would say most of Metronomy's music is pop, I think this is very much like we want um, we want America to like us. I'm just gonna be like completely shameless and say it. Like we just want America to love us. America loves us. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, so we you know we go to America and they some places get it. Like we go to New York and we go to LA and they'll sell out and it's great fun. But it's all the bits in between. And we don't get on radio, and we don't play any festivals. I think the last festival we played in America was Coachella in 2011, so that's a long, long time that is, ago. Yeah. We've had, like, three albums since then. We just never get asked to go. So I think, I feel like Joe's kind of tried to write an album that he thinks um, people in North America will relate to. Why is trying to break America as a band so important? Well, I feel like we have... The rest of the world already. Yeah. Latin America, like we do so well down there. Like the fans are amazing, and we like we sell out shows down there, and we play big festivals. Same in Mexico, um, Australia maybe not so much. We haven't really been there um, that often. But Europe and you know Germany, France, Spain, Portugal, like yeah, it's just a massive vibe. <laughs> Whenever we go to America, we're like. Why? <laughs> yeah, I wonder why that is. That's, is, it, is it personal? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's so bizarre, isn't it? So, but you feel like this album is a progression. I feel like Joe. I feel like Joe. He always tries to make something different for the next record. Like for me, if I, I always find that a lot of bands who have got maybe more than five albums, it tends to be a bit samey, but. Obviously, I'm speaking from bias. <laughs> this is a biased opinion about my own band. But I think most metronomy, all metronomy albums are different, but also have a lot of similarities to where you can be like, oh, it's, that's classic metronomy. You can recognise the sound, essentially. Yeah. You can hear a song that you guys have put out and you might not have... I think I heard your single before knowing that you even had new music out. Mm. And I was like, shit, that sounds really like Metronomy. <laughs> and then I think I looked it up and then, yeah, you had released a new single. Yeah. And I was like, ah, oh, sick. We have a massive tour coming up. Yes. Are you excited? Yeah. yeah. I, I really am. I love it. Touring's like kind of what I live for, really. I love travelling. I love, like, I'm not much of a home, homely person. I mean, I have a home, but I don't mind leaving it. <laughs> <laughs> For long periods of time, um, yes, we've got loads of stuff coming up. So what's going on tour like? Like, what is a day in the life of tour for you? Um, it depends. If we're doing, like, currently we're just doing festivals, so it's very, very bitty, very, like, let's get on a plane, let's fly to France, and then we'll meet a tour bus and then drive to the next place, or we'll get on a plane and fly to the next place, but... So you, you kind of can't really get into the, the swing of things, can't really get into the flow. Um, but when we start properly touring, we'll have a tour bus. Yeah. And if I'm honest, sometimes I get into really bad habits, like going to bed super, super late, waking up really late. Like, it's, it's bad, really. And you kind of, sometimes your nutrition kind of slips. But this is like, this is, I'm speaking very personally, this is 
me. Like normally when I'm at home, I'm in the gym every day. I go running. I eat really well, but I'm on tour. I'm just like bleh, <laughs> <laughs> which is oh, it's not good. And every time I go on tour, I tell myself, "You're not going to do it this time. <laughs> You're not going to start going to bed at four a.m. and waking up at." So that's so late. And to be doing that, are you touring for like two months? Uh, well, yeah, we've got uh, September, October. Wait, no, sorry. Um, October, November. And then uh, some bits in Japan and South America in December. Oh, amazing. So it's more than two yeah. months. Yeah, and then there'll be America in February. And so with the, like, the late nights and maybe the not eating so well as you would mm. usually do, the lack of exercise, it must take quite a toll on your body, I reckon. Yeah, it does. At the end of it, you must be like, quite knackered. Yeah. But also during, you must be... You must be really fit to be able to do that for two months. And also, you're yeah. playing drums. It's not yeah. like you're standing in front of a stage mm. singing, which I still think you have to have such like good stamina for, but you must have to have like amazing stamina. Yeah. I, I do yoga quite a lot to kind of keep... Because drumming is so, like... Not necessarily for a card, from a cardio aspect. It's more, like, really bad for your joints. <laughs> Because I've been drumming since I was 14 and I'm now 34, so that's 20 years of, of like all that kind of vibration sort of coming through my wrists and into my elbows and also your hips and your knees and stuff. I'm starting to feel little niggles and aches and pains and um, a couple of years ago I had problems with my wrists, which if you do like some research on a lot of drummers like really suffer from like carpal tunnel syndrome, um, de Quer veins, which is like on the, for the thumb, so like that tendon down there. Um, and I'm I'm now struggling with my hips a little bit. Oh, so no. yeah, it's it's a very physically demanding of your body. Yeah, I'm 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 endeavouring now for this touring cycle to just eat better, get better, like and look after my body. You also DJ, so we should talk about that. So Soho Radio, how long have you been doing that for? I think it's been about a year since I started. I do once, I do it once a month. Um, it's quite nice. It's sort of, it's made me, I've always been interested in electronic music and, and music in general, but it's made me do more research about music and be excited about finding new stuff. So that's a good thing that it's brought to my life. I'm still too scared to say anything. It's re- it is quite nerve wracking. Yeah. I did a show for Foundation FM, uh, like, a while ago and I just shat myself I was like I don't think radio's for me like I'm fine when I'm sitting at home in like my spare room with recording stuff but then yeah no it's just it's so different isn't it I don't know I can't understand what it is and I think I came to some conclusion that it's like who am I talking to like I'm just like I'm just talking into the ether it's no it is the weirdest thing because you can't see anyone there's no reaction I guess if you're like a big station you're getting people tweeting in or texting in or whatever but when it's like something more independent like Soho Radio or like Foundation it's it is just you talking to yourself in a room and it's just the weirdest weirdest feeling um so what what is your show about on Soho Radio I've called it Beat Palace so it's all about I really love um Afro House music like anything like that, anything with kind of crazy rhythms and um, so I'm, I'm usually, I usually just use it like um, a two hour constant mix because when I'm listening to, I don't know, I'll listen to other shows on Soho Radio or NTS or you know these other online stations I like to just zone out, mm. so, you know, so I tend, I'll maybe say like you're listening to Anna Pryor's Beat Palace 
and even when I do that, I'm shaking, like... <laughs> Um, but yeah, I play like um, and do lots of looping, and I kind of make interesting like beats out of the the music that I'm playing, and um, yeah, I just kind of use it more as like a soundscape. It was my is my vibe, but I, the people who run Soho Radio are like, when are you gonna say something? <laughs> I mean, you've gone a year without saying something, so exactly. actually, I'm sure you can go another year. A year's quite a long time to... But I've had, like, good feedback from people um, saying that they just enjoy it as, like, a, a background thing. And mm. I think if I... Maybe at some point I will have more of an agenda and I'll want to speak more about a certain topic or maybe I will start to get guests on. But I think currently, right now, I think... Because my brain is also elsewhere with metronomy, I... I feel like it's almost like a therapy for me to kind of go to this studio. The studio is really lovely. Um, they've just got a brand new one on Berwick Street. Um, but you, do, you are kind of in a fishbowl, people can see. What got you into DJing? Yeah, I in my hometown where I'm from, um, I guess when I was 18 and old enough to get into clubs, I there was a club um, in town called The Priory. And they had like an indie night downstairs, and I was, I never DJed at the proper like on the dance floor like indie night, but there was like a chill out bar upstairs, and I would just go and I'd play. Uh, I used to collect old forty five records from the flea market that was on a Wednesday, um, and I'd used to play those. But then I'd, sometimes I get too drunk and I lose them or scratch them or you know, pour beer all over them or something. <laughs> so I stopped doing that. Um, so it's always been a constant thing for me since I was about eighteen, um, and it's only recently maybe the past four or five years that I've started like actually properly DJing in clubs or at events or things like that um yeah I really love it I yeah. kind of I'm not so much of a control freak I like to think that I'm not but maybe I am because I like to be in control of the night if I go to a club I'm like oh this DJ's a bit crap they're not really playing what I want to hear oh god no I mean, of course the they're not because yeah. like no absolutely so for me like DJing in a club it's like ultimate control and it's ultimate like I want to listen to this for two hours this is great and you can have a nice time behind the decks and yeah I strictly don't do requests <laughs> <laughs> like every DJ ever though to be fair no same I'm well when you have a USB it's also if yeah. you don't have the music you yeah. don't have the music yeah, exactly. like there's nothing you can do about it because yeah. you play from USBs don't yeah. you yeah so it's like and I don't think people who I don't think that people in clubs necessarily understand that that you can't like magic this music out of yeah. they think that you're being difficult and you're firstly like no actually I don't really want to play what you want me to play mm. And secondly, I actually physically can't. Yeah. That's what, yeah, I struggle with sometimes, which I think is, and it's quite funny. Though. When I mentioned that you were coming on, a lot of my friends were like, oh my God, that's so cool. Like a female drummer's coming to talk to you. That, yeah. That'll be so interesting to find out about. Do you ever feel like, a, like specifically as a drummer, you're treated like a bit of a novelty because you're a female drummer? This question, I, like not this question specifically, but I get asked about being a, a woman in the, in the music industry quite um, a lot. And that's like, I have no problems with that. But it was only until I started being asked those questions that I realised that I was a woman in the music industry. And I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, that's I'm, interesting. I'm, and I've become more aware of it and I've started to give more of a shit about it and like, and like screaming from the, the treetops, like, you know, about female musicians and like, you know, I've got a little black, a little black book, I'm using air quotes here, about um, 
my little book of female drummers and so sometimes I get approached about um, a drumming job and if I can't do it I will I never pass it on to a male drummer. I always pass it on to one of my one of my girls again. Yeah, afterwards. amazing. That's so cool. Because I think you have to, you know, I got asked to play drums in. Um, I've gone off topic now. I'm, no, I'm no, answering your question. It's all good. <laughs> um, I got asked to play for Miles Kane, but I couldn't do it because it was at the start of the metronomy stuff, and we were getting really busy. So I, um, I asked the management is it a female drummer you're looking for specifically and they said yes and and I was like I applauded that because I think in a way that's positive discrimination and I think you have to have that for change to occur no I don't feel like I'm treated like a novelty um I know that it is a novelty though but I don't feel like I'm treated like one and I think that's all about your perception like if you feel like a novelty then people will treat you like one and you know I've just been doing this since I was 14, like I said, like playing in working men's clubs, playing like ABBA medleys and whatever, you know, I've, I've earned, I've earned it, I've earned like being where I am today. Um, yeah, and I know that I will, if metronomy isn't a thing anymore, I know that I will get jobs probably based on my gender and I'm kind of cool with that. And I know a lot of people, especially younger people, um, I mean, I know I'm not old, I'm 34, but like people who I've met in the past who are maybe 18, 19, I've done like panel talks and stuff, they don't like the idea of the word discrimination and positive discrimination and, you know, being a novelty and, and that's cool, but I think being realistic, I think it's a bloody great thing. Yeah. And like, I don't feel like a novelty. And I don't think, and I think, Maybe more female musicians, DJs should just embrace it. I think because it's never been a it's never been a better time to be a woman. And yeah, I think 100%. just milk it, you know. Yeah, I agree. Until it's like until we're all equal, and then you're just like, oh damn, I want it to go back to <laughs> when it wasn't so equal. But we'll never think that. Did you have any female inspirations growing up or in music who you looked to? It, to be honest, it was mainly male drummers because that was the kind of music I was listening to. Like, I loved the Red Hot Chili Peppers back then. Oh my God, same. with Chad Smith. <laughs> he was amazing. And I used to take the Red Hot Chili Peppers CDs into my drum lessons and we, you know, pick apart some uh, drum parts. Um, but as I was starting to get into my early 20s, I started to become more aware of female drummers. I love Sheila E. I don't know if you know. I don't know, sorry, who, who is she? she? You'd love her, she's <laughs> wicked. She used to play for Prince back in like the early 80s, like on the Purple Rain era Prince. And she's still drumming now. And she, uh, David Letterman, the American um, TV show host, he did like a drum solo week or something. And every, every night he had like a drummer on to do a drum solo. Uh, she came on, um, Sheila E came on his show and did a strum solo, solo, but she was wearing this like sequined cocktail dress. Oh wow. Just above the knee, and she was wearing six inch heels, and she was smashing it. Yeah, amazing. It was so great, and I was like, a lot of people, when they think of female musicians, maybe they think like, kind of quite manly females, let's say. Um, but she just like, she's so feminine, and she's just like, keeps hold of her femininity, and. And, and that's what I uh, grabbed hold of. I was like, oh, I can be, absolutely I can be feminine and play the drums. Mm. Like, I don't 
need to like be one of the boys, I can still be one of the girls and be a drummer and like wear bright red lipstick and curl my hair and wear sequins and be glamorous and you know after like seeing her do that I was like right I'm wearing sequins on stage <laughs> so I just wore like my mum's a really great seamstress and she made me all these sequin onesies and I wore like bright red lipstick and there's photos on the internet it's pretty <laughs> yeah amazing <laughs> those, are, those are good days yeah I curled my hair and you don't do it anymore um I think we we tend to we always have a uniform when we're playing okay and I like to feel part of a gang um so we've got like like designated uniforms now and they're all they're all the same and to be honest like I don't like wearing them that much because I do kind of look like one of the boys yeah but I'm conflicted because I do like to feel part of the band but also I want to kind of retain my femininity and I don't really feel feminine in that outfit I'm wearing right now but what can you do yeah <laughs> uniform's uniform right yeah totally <laughs> so going back to feeling like one of the boys you're in a predominantly male band mm. and you are the only female yeah how is that oh uh, i mean i've been with the boys for 10 years now and we're just like brothers and sisters really like we get we get along really well uh they're always looking out for me they don't kind of treat me they don't kind of oh, what's, i don't know how to describe it they don't treat me differently, basically. Yeah. They don't, like, offer to carry my bag. Because like, um, <laughs> they know that I would, like, kick their ass if I was... <laughs> I mean, Oscar, bless him, he's very... Um, he looks after me and he's like, oh, do you need a hand? And I'm like, dude, I'm fine, thank you. Um, but we have a female tour manager. That's partly because of me, but I think the boys really enjoy having a woman in charge. Um, I think it makes them just feel more comfortable. I'm not sure why. And like we we like to have nice people representing us because I'd like to think that we're all nice people in the band. And uh, the tour manager we have currently, she's great, and she like really represents who we are, just like nice, friendly human beings. And um, and it's great for me because you know if I run out of tampons. <laughs> I, I was gonna say that I'm like who's if if it's just you and the boys who is giving you a spare tampon? Yeah. So that's <laughs> your tour manager. For me, that's kind of like texting her like from the toilet. Oh, I've just got my period. Have you got? Yeah, yeah, babes, I'm coming. So yeah, it's good for that. Um, and finally, if uh, if a young woman wanted to get into drumming or start a band or you know try and follow in a similar route to what you've done, what would your advice be for them? I just think you need to start a band. If we're talking specifically about like creating music like just start a band and just be conf be confident and comfortable being on stage um and just play with just play with people because i have this opinion that there are too many solo artists at the moment too many solo artists that expect to have a band but aren't that up for paying them Oh. And you know, and and I am a firm believer that nobody should work for free. Yeah, not, absolutely. Not even like no way, like it's non-negotiable. And I I feel like that's all being lost now. I feel like people aren't forming bands at school. People aren't playing together as much anymore. Um, and people are becoming more insular and just and just sitting at a computer because it is so easy. Like you have logic here that you're <laughs> using to record our our podcast, and like you could also just get a drum machine and like create create beats and like if I knew how to do any of it yeah <laughs> but it's it's an option and it's there and it's there for everybody logic's not very expensive to to download so um but it's 
obviously it's good and it's bad, like I want people to be creative, but I think if you want to be in a band, you have to do it collaboratively. And mm. um, that's my opinion. It's been so interesting to talk to you. Thanks for having me. And I hope your tour goes amazingly. Thank you. And yeah. Bye -bye.